0: Episode 65, Tony Klinger.
1: The Awaken Your Alpha podcast. Live Limitless. Tracking down the finest alpha minds on the planet for you every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Worlds they live by. For example, put the cookie down. Origins, biggest failures, fears, awakening moments, Yoda questions, yin-yang, the alpha round, and their wake-up question to finish make me laugh it is your laugh because you laugh like I do uh oh that's <laughs> going to be both of <laughs> us then we won't be able to tell who's who let's play it back
0: and of course I forgot to put the tape in <laughs> oh man it's, it's agony um, and I
1: said I said to the idiot I said could you do it again
0: for me they said fuck off <laughs> <laughs> Get to the pod, guys. If you're a movie fan like me, we got a great interview. So we have Tony Klinger here today, the chief executive of Be Creative Limited um, and chief executive of King Films. Be Creative Limited is, you know, a creative resource that helps people into the marketplace. And, you know, if you're in that creative industry, it's going to help you on that. And we're going to talk more about that. It's been a very strong recommendation. I've been looking forward to this one a lot. So, Tony, are you ready to awaken your alpha?
1: Uh, if I knew better what my alpha was, I certainly would.
0: Brilliant. Um, could you add to that bio a little bit? Because it's uh, as I say, I'm really looking to learn a lot from this interview. And if someone had to say, oh, what do you do, Tony? How would you sort of explain things?
1: I used to, uh, once upon a time, be very self-effacing, hard as it is to believe when you hear this. <laughs> uh, uh, but my a person who was associated with me at work said, you know, how would you describe yourself on your passport? And I said, I put down film producer. He said, Well, that's actually not your major po- occupation. And I asked him what he thought I was. And he said, You're a communicator, but primarily through writing. Okay. And so, really, I would like to be, you know, if you look forward to when, when you're no longer with the world, <laughs> I'd like to be remembered as a writer who communicates ideas. And, and I use film producing. And uh, all the different conduits that I'm on, and I'll explain those later, <laughs> as means of expressing communicating ideas. Uh, so basically, if you put it right back, I'm like a shaman that used to tell stories over a fire in a cave. You know, oh, that I love it. Yeah, um, on the storyteller.
0: Yeah, if you if you break it down, that's that's obviously that's where the passion has got to start from. That's brilliant. Um, it's. Springs to mind is it's one of them things that I mean people that might have in their heads of like you know film producers with a big cigar just behind the scenes sort of dealing with just being the money man or dealing with all the sort of stars and bringing projects together, and it, it's the sort of thing that a lot of people might say oh yeah I'd love to do that or I could do that or but it's one of the things that people a lot of times don't understand or know how to get into, Um so really this is our origin question how on earth did you come from like obviously growing up and I would like to know where you where you were sort of originally from. And growing up, and then getting into being a film producer, and then you know all the different offshoots that have come from it.
1: Well, I'll start with the second part of the question
0: first.
1: <laughs> uh, the, the 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 way I got into film producing was was again through writing. When I was a child, a small child of eight or nine years old, uh, there were in those days you know, Cadbury's and Nestle chocolate both had travelling film shows. Uh, that they used to bring around don't forget this is you know television was there but it yeah. wasn't you know it wasn't like heavily advertised in the same way as it is now so to get into the minds of kids they used to bring around films of how they made chocolate and what they did and all that kind of thing and there, there was a national essay writing competitions about the, what you'd seen. yeah and, and I, I was a good writer of, of essays and things like that and so i won one of them, I think I won the Cadbury's one, and I tied for first place at my in my age group.
0: Brilliant! How old were uh, you then? How old I old was you about
1: le- nine. Okay. I, I, this was the under 11s contest, um, and the prize was uh, pretty much as much chocolate as they could keep Oh my them.
0: goodness! <laughs>
1: and visit to the chocolate factory, which in those days was uh, you couldn't otherwise get. Them. I was going to say,
0: so you had literally the Willy Wonka experience. You had the child
1: I, the child. I won That's, the gold ticket. That, and, that is awesome. And, before there was even a gold ticket I think and <laughs> having done that it was firmly lodged in my mind film writing chocolate and 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 so my life has been as I always say to people a constant search for more free chocolate <laughs> I <laughs> and, love it and, 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 well, then what happened was that as you're a kid and you're starting out on that road and you talk to people that don't know anything about film yeah, uh, that you say well how, how do I do that I mean I want to write Stories for films, and everybody went. I don't know. And there weren't any film schools at that at that time. I so say, there's your
0: career guidance. I don't know.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, they just didn't know, and they said, you know, don't don't be silly. You're you're going to be a lawyer or an accountant or a doctor. You know, you're that kind of kid, and I, and I didn't want to be that. Yeah. And I said, well, maybe you could go in the property business. And I, go, I don't want to be that. And so, what I did was started from the bottom and quickly learned that if you wanted to you know, tell a story, it would be good to learn how to edit, and then so on and so forth. And then I realized, well, if I don't direct this thing, no one's ever going to make it, uh, because ah, of the promises. Yeah. And then when I directed it and somebody tried to rip me off, I thought, well, if I don't produce it, then I won't get any of the money for what <laughs> I'm doing. And then I ended up saying, and if I don't own the company... Then, then I won't ever get this to happen on a constant basis. I'll only get one yeah. of projects. So my evolution was horizontal, as it were. You yeah. know, I, was, I was looking to enable all of it, was to enable me to be able to write as a profession.
0: Blimey. I mean, you and Sliced Alone. that reminds me of him, but obviously the only thing you didn't do is star in it. You didn't star in it, did you? No, no. I've <laughs> never had any ambition to be in front of a camera.
1: I, <laughs> I always feel very... I, I, I can do it now, but yeah. uh, I, I just don't like doing it. Well again you um, you
0: can't spread yourself too thin because by the sounds of it you wanted to do all of that and you you obviously got to focus on you wanted you're a writer and that's your that's your thing.
1: Well the the problem is that I have uh, like my late father which I, well, I'll come on to in a minute. Yeah. a scrambled egg brain um, and which means I I would be blessed if I was more focused and, and less able to get engaged with other things. You have to have iron discipline to be successful as a writer because it's as everything else is a matter of focus and, and perspiration. My family was a classic... Uh, my father was a child of an immigrant, and he was a cha- classic upwardly mobile person. He uh, was an engineer during the war, um, designing machines that made munitions, like rockets and torpedoes okay. and bombs and things. And he was a very clever fella, a very, very clever fella. Um, and... After the war, nobody had any money or any. You know, there was it was a very grey world. You know, before my time, but that's how it was. And he uh, to earn money because he was in what they call a reserved occupation. They kept him there mm-hmm. because you know they, they needed guys like him to do what he was doing. Okay. And eventually, he had so he had no money. Although, on on paper, a very successful career as an engineer. He then uh, took. Opportunity to go into uh, the markets in the street, you know, uh, like Shep's yeah. Bush Market, okay, and sell kiddies' coats. And my first job was as like his little model walking around the corner, and he'd go, <laughs> Look at that, that childhood. His, his family bought that coat from here in his little duffel coat, and he'd say, How's that coat feel? And I was supposed to say, It feels wonderful. And I used to say, <laughs> Dad, <laughs> which sort of defeats the object because I'm supposed to be a stranger. Uh, but I was very cute in the coat. No, he sold a fair amount. This extraordinary bright man. And he uh, would do anything you know to, to try and further his career. And then uh, found himself given an opportunity through a fellow market trader to purchase a nightclub. The only problem was he didn't have any money. And so he convinced the person selling him the nightclub to lend him the money to buy the club from him. Um,
0: that, and, that and, is and, not easy to do. That's some talking skills.
1: Well, he, he was very gifted like that. Yeah. And then that he, he hated it, but it was quite successful. Um. And after about three years, somebody said, there's another site, you could build another club. And it wasn't really suitable as a nightclub. And he thought, well, what can I do with it? And somebody said, there, there's been no new cinemas built since before the war. What about oh, a cinema? And it was a tiny site. And then, remember, that's a time when the cinemas were like, 2,000 seats, you know, yeah. and this was a place where available maybe you could put in 200 seats, but he thought it was a good idea and he didn't know anything about the business and the people that originally said they were going to invest with him pulled out mm-hmm. and he was left holding the baby and that became a cinema club because the other cinemas barred in those days, and Barred it was called, you couldn't get a film from any major distributor that had been played or was going to be played by any of the cinemas within a seven mile radius, which okay. meant he couldn't get any films. And so, <laughs> so it an easy
0: start to it then.
1: <laughs> that's why he started running films that had been banned, because he turned the oh. thing into a club. And instead of selling tickets, he sold memberships. That's and so incredible. that's brilliant how, idea. Uh, the films like The Wild Ones and Triumph of the Will got their first distribution in England. Because they've been banned. And so by the time I was uh, uh, I guess early teens he was um had started building cinemas all over the country. Oh, um, that's and brilliant. Very successfully. And then he said, why do I need to get these films from other people? I could distribute these films. And so he became an independent distribution company. And within a year, I think, or two years, was mm-hmm. the biggest independent film distributor in Europe. Oh, my goodness. And then from that, he... Uh, said, why do I need to be buying all these films from these people? Maybe I could make these films. And he started <laughs> to make films and, and, and very quickly realised what he wanted to do was make films. And so he came at it at the same time I was coming at it from opposite angles. And I actually totally resented him doing that because that was <laughs> my dream and he hadn't had that dream.
0: I was going to say, I can see where you get it. This was a vital story because being brought up in that, and like you say, both going for it at the same time, blimey. It's, well, it's coming at
1: it from a completely other yeah. See, he started, he, you know, he, he, I came at it from the writing technical standpoint, yeah. he came at it from the business and and savvy kind of thing, and mm-hmm. I have to admit, years later when we did work together, when I was uh, 30-something, uh, we realised, I realised he was not a fool, and I think he thought the same thing about me. But at that, <laughs> up to that time, uh, you know, we used to butt heads because I suppose we were in many ways too similar. But he was a very, very brilliant, and became uh, England's, well, Europe's most successful film producer for about fifteen years. Oh my goodness! In the late sixties through to the late seventies, he he made films like Get Carter and Repulsion and Cold de Oh, my Sac, goodness. Shout the devil.
0: What's his, uh, what's his name, obviously?
1: Michael Klinger, Michael
0: Klinger. Okay, brilliant.
1: And he, he, you know, initially, I, I must say I resented it because I remember when my first or second film came out uh, about the Cannes Film Festival, somebody reviewed the film. And the first part of the review was, Michael Klinger's son Tony has made. And I, I, oh. I, I couldn't believe it because he had yeah. nothing to do with it. And, you know, it was, it was a ridiculous thing to have written. But
0: yeah, it's a big shadow to sort of get from behind, I guess.
1: Well, he, and he tried to get me over it, and I, I actually got to a point where I almost didn't want to speak to him for about a year, two years. And then I got over it, you know, you grow up. And you yeah. Years and years later, I'd made a film in uh, that was very successful in America called The Kids Are All Right with The Who. He was planning something, and Variety magazine in America wrote an article which started... Tony Klinger's father, Michael, <laughs> and he went nuclear. He went absolutely nuclear, and <laughs> I, I, I had to smile because yeah. I, I knew exactly why he was nuclear. Karma. Early. Oh, that is
0: funny. Oh, but that you shows me. you how these
1: things turn around. I love
0: it. Um, in this sort of in that journey, then obviously you when you started to become interested. You said like at school they didn't really give you any help when you showed an interest, but. When was it kind of like your awakening moment when you thought actually I I can I can do this I can make a career in this. Obviously you said when you you and your dad both going at a similar sort of time. But when was sort of the origins of that of you going for it? When when did it you kind of think this is I, this I, is my I path? I
1: was was sure uh, yeah. that it would work out. I, I always had a picture in my mind of envisaging the success I wanted. Was uh, it as and, young
0: as nine? Yes. Do you think? Well,
1: uh, I just I just. Just knew that's what I wanted to do, and I could succeed. Um, I, I always had this thing where you know maybe touching on something about the 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 the, the life uh, inspirational things. For me, if I can imagine it, I can do it. Yeah. Uh, You know, I I could never imagine myself running faster than Usain Bolt. I I, no, (laughs) I can't. I remember as a kid, I was a good swimmer, uh, a very good swimmer. Yeah. I used to win lots of competitions and things like that. And then somebody said to me, "Well, you could go and train with like the Junior England team, and you're going to go there." You know, and it was all great, and it sounded fantastic. I was like eleven years old, and and they said, "And you, you do this, and you eat that." And it was all wonderful. And then they said, but you know, I've got to be t- t- telling you the truth. Although you're doing very well, and you're doing the records for this distance in your county and all that, there there are people in the world that you probably will never be." And, and and they said, yeah, there's a kid in America your age who's, you know, I think he was like two seconds faster than me, over 100 meters, cruel. If you're really good and you keep this up for the next six years, you probably could even get maybe a bronze or a silver medal. And I thought, that's it, I'm quitting. <laughs> and I did, I quit. And that's the one thing I've ever regretted in my life. Yeah. Not, Not that I could have beaten him. His name was Mark Spitz, and he won like eight he <laughs> gold
0: He's quite but, good. You might have heard of him, yeah. Yeah,
1: <laughs> but, it, but the thing I, re, I, I regretted was I didn't give myself the opportunity to try.
0: And yeah, you listened to... Yeah, the other people got in your head, as, as always yeah, happened, yeah, you, that, especially at that age. Yeah,
1: exactly. So, come back to how you define success. Success in that in that might have been a silver medal or a bronze medal or okay. getting to a final or something. Success mm-hmm. as, a, as a writer or a filmmaker... Some people measure it in very simple terms, you know, um, uh, you make a lot of money. Uh, That's success for some people. I've never thought of it that way. I think that's an outcome if you succeed in the way I want to succeed, which is by doing very good stuff and communicating to people and maybe influencing them in a way you think is desirable.
0: Listening to the story all about your dad, I mean, and then obviously you had that that very competitive relationship when when you're both going for the, the films from different angles. Um, This is our Yoda question, who helped awaken your alpha and sort of, who inspired you? I mean, your dad sounds very inspirational, but I mean, it might not have been him because during that phase, obviously, there was some tension, but, and it could be a a couple of key figures, it's up to you.
1: I had the classic couple of teachers at school, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, who were English teachers, who told me I was good at writing, um, and that helped enormously. Yeah. There was also a lady whose name I remember called Miss Darby. Who was at my uh, my first proper nice prep school after I'd been in a really crappy one, and she took me aside because I had a terrible startup because I thought quicker than I could speak and, <laughs> and it slowed me down and made me think between sentences, which I still have to do sometimes when I get tired. And that enabled me to communicate better because up to then it, I had this embarrassment of sometimes not being able to complete a sentence, yeah. And so, though, that was a very big influence, but in terms of true inspiration. I I guess it was my father, but not for the reasons you might assume. The one thing he did was he said to me er, almost every day, read, take books and read. He didn't care what I read, just read. It brought to me all kinds of influences and ideas and uh, things I could aspire to. And it made me see the world in a universal kind of way, rather than, you know, English drama tends to look down at its feet, Hmm. university-themed movies that succeed usually tend to look out into the world,
0: and he gave me that ability. Now, whether he was aiming to get that end result or not, I don't know. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna mix it up now. This uh-huh. is the yin yang round where we find out a little bit more about you and uh, what makes you tick, and just go with your gut on this, and we'll see where it takes us. Charlie in the Chocolate Factory, the original or the Johnny Depp?
1: The
0: original. That was a bit of an obvious question in my mind, but Alien. Or aliens. Alien. Terminator or Terminator Two? Hmm.
1: That's the first one that's made me pause for
0: thought. Yeah. I think I'd go Terminator Two. I think I'm with you on that one. <laughs> but yes, yeah, because it's, it's, yeah, it's very rare to get a sequel that's uh, that's better. So that's that's what I was trying to. Godfather
1: is better than Godfather.
0: Um, tea or coffee? Uh,
1: first drink in the morning, coffee. Second drink, tea.
0: Okay, so you're probably on tea then, if I had to ask you now then. <laughs>
1: yeah, I'm drinking tea at tea.
0: Yeah, there we go. Light or dark? Or night or day, I should say.
1: Day. Day,
0: okay. Dinner out or dinner in?
1: This is preference, Uh, dinner out.
0: Cinema or DVD? Cinema. Again, that, that seemed quite obvious to me, but you never know. <laughs> Australia or America?
1: I'll uh, go with America.
0: Okay. London or Paris? London. Yeah, that's a, that's, that's that's an obvious one. <laughs> if if no one's been to both of these places, London or Paris, it's, it's London. The answer is London. Okay. Stallone or Schwarzenegger? Schwarzenegger. I've got
1: more sense
0: of humour about yourself. I, yeah, I think you're right. I think it's Stallone's got better, but yeah, it's probably because <laughs> he hangs out with Arnie. That's probably had a good a good influence <laughs> on him. <laughs> um, Marilyn Monroe or Trying to think of a comparison. This is hard. Ah, Marilyn Monroe, or but I think I've I've gone down a one-way alleyway there. <laughs> I,
1: don't, I don't think I was trying to think of who is there comparable to Marilyn Monroe, and there ain't anyone.
0: No. So. <laughs> okay, okay. This is my best effort then, but this well, it's not female. Elvis or Marilyn Monroe. Elvis or Marilyn Monroe. Hmm.
1: Depends what time of day it is, but I...
0: <laughs> at this moment I'm going to try and... because this is a tough one.
1: Yeah, For what, uh,
0: whatever reason, just go where you go. If,
1: if, if I'm in a room alone, it's round in One Row. <laughs> in an auditorium, it's Elvis.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that is a very good answer. Okay, this is our complete blank around. Just got to finish the blank and complete my sentence. Your favourite movie of all time is?
1: Citizen Kane.
0: Ah. Didn't reasons being?
1: It's probably the most complete film I've Ever
0: seen your best friend would describe you as funny? If I was ever to visit your part, of, well, Northampton, I should.
1: <laughs> I was gonna say, turn around and go the other way, but that'd be great. <laughs> Uh, because no, I like Northampton, it sounds <laughs> awful, but, I, but I, I'm here because unusual circumstances. But I, I have to say that if I was in Northampton coming from outside, yep, I would go and visit the
0: cultural quarter, okay. Cool. And um where you originally grew up from in London, if I was ever to visit there I should.
1: Oh spend as much time as possible <laughs> walking around. It's just fantastic. Yes. Uh, I particularly like that area around St. Paul's way across the Funny Bridge and Oh yeah. And you go to the Tate Modern and you walk along the South Bank. It's just that is one of the great pleasures in the world.
0: I, I completely agree with you. It's just it's just absolutely loaded around there. I think you could yeah, walk around there every day. A yeah. long time, and there's just there's just always something new, and it's just there's so much packed into sort of such a small area, really. You are fearful of nothing. Good answer. That's that's an alpha answer. <laughs> Love it. We're moving on then. This is uh, the alpha round, really, to sort of so, start wrapping things up a little bit. But if it came to a book recommendation, I know you sort of said from your your dad that's one thing you took from him being well read. um If you had to recommend a book for us. And you could recommend too, it could be one of your favourite books of all time, and then maybe a book for someone who's aspiring to get into sort of the movie business, where in, in any way, shape, or form, whether it's producing, writing, or all, all basically all your skill sets. If there's any books that come to mind? Well, certainly for the second one, I would recommend the book Twilight of the Gods, written by Tony Klinger. Um, <laughs> good. It's about my making the film with The Who, uh, The Kids Are All Right, yeah. and that's a really good. Uh, Passage of uh, of how to and how not to make
1: a film, and it's I think it's done very well, and it's it, I think an interesting read and very instructional for anybody that is thinking about producing a film of of the things to do and not do. Brilliant. If you're talking about general novels and things like that, wonderful book Catch Twenty Two by um, uh, I forgot his name uh, Heller Joseph Heller. Okay, wh- um, what's that one about? I haven't heard. It's of. about the theory that everything is, is governed by, in the military, by a thing like, called Catch-22, that yeah. whatever you do, there's a consequence that will screw it up called Catch-22. Um, and it, you know that also reminds me of the book, uh, which is a great book, uh, uh, The Dice Man by Luke Reinhard, Yeah. where he, he makes
0: every major decision in his life by the throw of a dice. <laughs> And, That's and an actually, interest in life.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah, it's, I'm a person who doesn't gamble except in my career. And you know, it actually is almost true that you know the saying that I think it was uh, Sam Goldwyn said, nobody knows nothing. Um, and and I, I actually think that has validity because I've seen people do the equal and opposite uh, answers to questions. Yeah. And they both come out wrong and they can both come out right. And mm. it, it isn't, you know, people think they know what's going to happen and they don't and they and they they plainly don't i I guess coming back to an earlier question you said about my dad and influences that was one of his influences he 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 convinced me and i actually think he was right that your brain is like any other muscle it gets stronger the more you use it yeah and as a consequence i guess i just was using it a lot and not that it made i you know it's like iq you know, you might have a good one. It doesn't mean you're going to do better because you've got a good IQ. It just means you have an ability to learn. Um, and I guess I maximise as much as possible my my, my, my sucking in of knowledge.
0: <laughs> Brilliant. Well, in all this, in, you've obviously been exposed to a lot of great words and obviously you're very good with words yourself. I wonder if there's a sort of like an alpha quote or just a quote that really resonates with you over the years that you like to live your life by. Is there anything that springs to mind?
1: Well, I would be dishonest to say there was because I I think there yeah. was well, a different one every day. Yeah. Uh, okay. And can, I, can we, and we grab
0: I, one today then? Because I know what you mean. It's a it's it's a tough one to pin down, but that's what I try and do.
1: <laughs> I think it was Roosevelt said something that I would probably like the best. Yeah. Uh, and it does, which is we have nothing to fear but fear itself.
0: Brilliant, love it. Yeah, completely, completely right. Uh,
1: because I think what yeah. happens is. Uh, and maybe I'm over-optimistic, but I also I I, I I have had calls to see and meet incredible people in my life, uh, of leaders from different fields, in, in, all through my life, and I've heard all kinds of people prognosticate, including some of them, incorrectly what's going to happen in the future. And, you know, usually very negative vibes. It's going to be yeah. They're going to do this. They're going to, you know, and 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 it turns out actually better than they said. Um, and if
0: you look at the world now, with all its problems, and there always are problems, it's incomparably better than it used to be. Yeah. And and you know I don't see any reason just because there are problems that we're not going to be able to solve those problems. Where we and live. it's interesting you say because people again, if you if you look at too much media, you'd think, oh, this is the worst it's ever been, and like this, the world's going to end. But then, like you say, if you can step back and look at it, the world and like through history, like like you said, this is the best it's ever been, really.
1: You know, so I I, I actually am um, pretty hopeful yeah. about where the, the world's
0: going. Nice. good. I mean, you touched on there that you've managed, you've had the opportunity to meet some amazing people. Is there a couple or a few people that stand out as like really sort of in your mind's alpha, alpha, just the classic alpha, or you just you were drawn to, or you had a connection, you thought, yeah, there, really top top bloke or or lady even. Well, there was one of
1: them was a lady. It was Golda um, okay. I was on a tour as a, a scholarship boy on a, on a tour where like I, I was the, um, the diarist of the tour. You know, we, yeah. I was very left-wing, and that was at a time when that country was left-wing. And we were taken there and shown around and all that kind of thing, and, and I got to meet the lady and, uh, and some other dignitaries, and she was extraordinary. Um, extraordinarily bright, and the thing that I found with people like that is not only are they bright, but they're warm. They're very human, and they also are able to put things in a way that anybody can understand. Yeah. Uh, you know, and she, she, uh, somebody asked her while I was there. You know, you know, why are you so warlike? And she said, I'm not warlike. I, I I don't want war. And she and she then explained it. She said, You know, do you really think I want to be standing in a graveyard at the gravestone of my grandson? Is that what you think I want? Yeah. And you have got the picture. Like you, know, you don't have to say a lot of politics after that. You you get it. Okay, you know that's clearly right. Yeah. Um, and so she was one. And I've, a lot of the people I, because I met so many famous people so young. Yeah. Uh, that should have impressed me. Don't because I saw the feet of clay, um, and you know I, I saw the other side of them that was so yeah. impressive
0: well that's, 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 that's good because obviously I think you've just got to treat everyone as equal and you know, like you say some people you build up this expectation and then the reality is possibly not quite the same <laughs>
1: well I'll give I give a big kudos yeah uh, not inspirational but certainly I was very
0: very impressed uh, with Michael Caine ah oh, brilliant uh, Michael. That's good news because he seems awesome to me. <laughs>
1: he, worked, he worked on two films for my dad: uh, Get Carter and Pulp. Yeah. And if you haven't seen Pulp, you should because it's I
0: haven't. I've seen Get Carter after lots of times, but yeah.
1: And he, you know, I never got to know him that well. That because I wasn't. I only worked a little bit on that. Yeah. On, the, on those films, but he was, um, you know, uh, available to do an interview with me about a, a year ago, I guess. Because I was make, I'm making a documentary called Mr. Producer about my father's career. Oh, brilliant. And in that, obviously, I had to interview Michael. And the thing that I loved about him, apart from he's very charming and avuncular and tells great stories, was that when he came on the set, he came round to every member of my little crew and said, Hello, I'm Michael Kane. What's your name? What are you doing? And, and it was, <laughs> you know, which is well, totally. Everybody in the world yeah. knows who he is. But it was. It was done with charm, civility and humbleness. And I was very, very impressed by that. That is awesome. Of the people that I have met that I was totally thought were exceptional, I would have to include my own father. Brilliant. He was a totally exceptional man uh, with incredible ability. Awesome. Um, and I would love to have known what he would have done. He turned down the head, to be head of production for two of the major film studios in Hollywood.
0: Oh my goodness! That could have been a different, yeah, a different path. Blimey! Yeah,
1: well, he actually bought a house in, in Bel Air in in Los Angeles, and took my mum to it. She didn't know, and and she said, if you do that, then I'm leaving you because I come from England and my family's in England.
0: Wow! Well, that is that.
1: <laughs> so he, he 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 gave the house keys back, and so he stayed in England. And I think he would have been. A remarkable head of a studio um, and it's a shame he didn't do it but yeah. on the other hand as he said it, you know you, you you do the things you feel in your heart yeah. you should do and uh, he had passed away and one of the people that worked on development for us in, in Los Angeles was a young man called Brad Zukovic who was a very bright guy and he could say I was upset and he said why is so I upset other than you know the obvious reason yeah and I said well you know it, it, uh, he's had an obituary in the Times, he's been on telly, it's been all that kind of stuff. But you know, they don't seem to understand how much of an impact he had in many ways. And, it, and he said, You know what? He said, With the films he's made in 50 years' time, they'll still be knowing his name in those films. He yeah. said, There's guys who just died, there was another guy called John Hughes who yeah. made comedy films. Yeah, I know. Yeah. And he said, He's be forgotten because those films just aren't important. And the truth is the time has gone by and it's exactly what happened because you know, they just did a £250,000 uh, Arts and Humanities Research Council yeah. uh, uh, research into my father's career. This is now 30 years after he's dead. Yeah. And they've just written a book about him uh, called The Man Who Got Carter. <laughs> and that and, awesome. and that, you know I think, resonates to... The seriousness and depth of a career, in a person. absolutely brilliant. Yeah, so I, yeah, I, I think quantifying what is successful, that's successful, that's
0: brilliant. and, and brilliant, I think answer.
1: actually has more importance to it. You know, because you're the richest man in the graveyard. You know, and you built a big building somewhere with your yeah. name on it. It's going to turn to dust. Yeah. it's all blast. You know, but if you have an idea and you communicate that idea or ideas then that can get you a, a big place uh, yeah. for, in people's memories. And yeah,
0: pass down stories through generations. Like you said, you're a storyteller as well. Um, yeah. Well, that comes straight into, I mean, you've got some really strong alphas there. Um, we have to always ask, like, who would you recommend I interview next or very soon? Well, one I can recommend, I don't know if you'd do it, but he's a very nice guy, and I don't know if you've
1: spoken with him, is Colin Vaines. No, I haven't. I haven't. And Colin Vaines uh, was head of production for... Uh, the uh, Miramax um, in America. Okay, and brilliant. He was a journalist before that, and he was, I think, chairman of the BFI before that. And he is uh, made his uh, producer, I think, in Gangs of New York, one of the producers, awesome. with Martins Gorsese. That's
0: an awesome film,
1: yeah. And he's on my Facebook friends. <laughs> um, wow. And he's a great guy. And, oh, and man. you know, if you want to, I could. Uh, Just tell him you're going to call, and 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 leave the rest up to you. Oh, brilliant! You know, I he's he's quite able to take off if he doesn't want to. do
0: it. Awesome! Hey, that's Alpha. That's no problem with that. Uh, That's brilliant. I can give
1: you one that's a very unusual one in America. He is a fascinating guy and has incredible stories. And a very good friend of mine called Stephen Kalinich. Okay. K a l i n I C H. Now, if I told you he's one of America's leading poets, that probably wouldn't impress you. But
0: well, I do like is, poetry. <laughs>
1: he is also the only person that lived living, I think, any only person ever to have written uh, music or lyrics for music with every one of the Beach Boys. <laughs> and he's also written with Paul McCartney, etc., etc. And so yeah, is a little known gem.
0: I was going to say, oh, that's that sounds like an absolute legendary uh, recommendation, like you say, a, a hidden gem and blind. Yeah, I, I bet he, he's got and, some and, stories.
1: And, and a lovely man with great stories. He he lives in California. My best friend in America.
0: Yes, please. Well, I'm, I'm I'm heading over that way. Um, not well, I do it, obviously all online generally, but I'm heading over that way on Sunday. So, but no, oh, that'd be brilliant recommendations. Um, well, I'd those
1: two to. are both exceptional.
0: I suppose if anyone's listening to all this and they think, oh, this sounds brilliant and. Depending on what hat you want to wear, whether it's producing, writing hat. If someone's looking to get into the movie scene in general, um, whether it's I don't know if they want to write, if they want to direct, or maybe they just want to. They've got an aspiration to be like um, beaten up by Arnold Schwarzenegger in a movie as an extra. What? <laughs> I just hang out with him. What advice would you give, or more importantly, I suppose, what things would you say to people they should really avoid because that's what everyone's doing and it just does not work. Well, there's a there's a couple of things. First of all, learn your craft. Yeah. Uh, whatever it is. Uh, so many people think because they like watching films or mm. reading books or something that they could do it because
1: they'd like it and and that's not true, uh, you have to learn how to do what you do and it's terribly difficult and if it was easy everybody would have done it uh, so learn your craft now there are many ways to learn your craft you can go in a junior role level um, and effectively get an apprenticeship You know, mm-hmm. like from the bottom up and learn as you go which is kind of what I did because that's how it was in those days. Um, I did it very fast because I was very energetic and ambitious and all that kind of thing. Probably you know, stupidly yeah. uh, fast because you, you know if you want a career of making money, then the best thing to be is like a sound recordist or a camera assistant and stick at it. Yeah. Because there's there's jobs for those people all the time, and of course because of the way the industry is there's more of those jobs than there is directing or producing jobs. Mm -hmm. Uh, So as a consequence, if you get a a job like that, you've got occupation for life because there's always going to be things going on. If you have ambitions to be a leader, then you need to know not just how, but you need to know why. And therefore, then you need education, I think. Unless you're just so totally self-motivated you can work it all out yourself. (laughs) And so, and and I and I talk of somebody who didn't really take an exam from when I was about 11 till I ended up being a director of a university yeah. so you know I, I, I sort of jumped a little bit Yeah. but uh, in terms of my belief in that I, I do passionately believe if you choose the right course at the right time you are best suited to go and learn uh, the how and the why at a very good uh, film school or media school and there aren't a Million of those, there are a million places that say they are doing it properly. Doesn't mean a bunch of you get together and all of you do everything, it means one of you is the cameraman, one of you is the sound man, one of you wrote the script, yeah. another one's directing, another one's producing. Team needs about six people to get a little film thing done, and you need to be each dedicated and credited for the things that you do. And that way, when it comes to somebody like me that is making a selection of the talent. Later, you know, to go on and do something else, you can clearly delineate he was a good cameraman. Yeah, he's a lousy sound man.
0: It's really good advice. Um, and again, it's it's probably just common sense to yourself, but for people listening in, that's it, it, it just makes sense. But like you say, it's mistakes people will make definitely, constantly, Tony. I know you don't want people hassling you, but you've got your be creative, which is where you know a really useful place that people can go to learn out learn more about this. But what is the best way for people if they want to find out more specifically about what we've just talked about um, and hear more from you? What's the best way they can connect?
1: I guess my LinkedIn page, yeah, um, and come through that, and if you know, join LinkedIn and uh, 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 connect with me, and I will. Answer. I would say this <laughs> as an add-on to people that do contact me. If you contact me through one of these services and I have the time and I respond about things like scripts or things like that, I must warn you that I will be honest uh, because people would like everybody to say nice things and unfortunately, although I would love to be able to say nice things, I'm not looking for projects from other people because I've got my own. Yeah. So the only reason I'd be looking at projects is to try and be helpful.
0: I was going to say, yeah, honesty is what people need. It's, going to, it's the only way it's going to help them, really, whether it dents their ego. It's what what we all need to hear, definitely.
1: Well, learning to survive in the creative industries, and I've been involved in it all my life, is learning how to deal with completely being knocked on your ass. I was going to day. say,
0: it sounds, it's r- how you get it's,
1: up. Which means you also have to be impervious to undue praise. Ah, you know, uh, yeah, yeah, the uh, flip know, side. That's the most wonderful thing since large bread. If you believe that, then the next person that comes along and says it's shit, you, <laughs> you're gonna have to believe them. You know, neither yeah, is. Yeah, me. you're gonna
0: be up and down. You're gonna you're gonna be a mess. You're gonna feel horrible. I,
1: I once was sitting with uh, at my a, a family affair when somebody said he uh, was at a wedding, you know, and he said he said I understand your dad may Get Carter, so I said yeah. He said piece of shit. <laughs> really? I said,
0: thanks for telling me. Yeah. Thanks I for said, taking the time.
1: I said, "Who made your suit?" He said, "I did. I'm a tailor." I said, "Piece of shit." <laughs> and he wanted to hit me. I said, "Why are you getting upset?" And he couldn't understand it. He couldn't understand. It's exactly the same. It. Yeah. Go and and but it, that's that's what it boils down to. It's, <laughs> it, you don't. You can't. You know, worry about that. And and, and
0: I learned hard Oh man. To learn, you know, that's one of my favourite bits of the interview. Right at the end. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome.
1: Well, it's also true. It's oh my actually, goodness. Uh, It's an even better story. Once I made a film called The Butterfly Ball uh, based on the, music, uh, the poems of Alan Aldridge and music of Roger Glover, and, all the, and yeah. it was a disaster. Like, <laughs> I have to preface it. Yeah. No one sets out to make a disaster. Like, I can tell you a million reasons, but I can't put credit on the film saying the reasons this is shit. Is yeah. shit. <laughs> uh, uh, you, know, you try and make good stuff. And what happened was it was going to be reviewed you know, by all the different newspapers and the Punch magazine that then existed in a big way was going to review it. And it turned out that the major reviewer for Punch was a guy called, now dead called Benny Green, who had been taught how to play cricket by my father at a boys' club <laughs> and a friend of the family. My dad had encouraged him to become a saxoph- saxophonist and then a journalist. And yeah. so, my, you know, this is going to be a great review. And the first line of the review Uh-oh. he wrote was. I never knew butterflies had balls, and now I'm convinced they don't. <laughs> 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 and I learned a big lesson on that day, because I was looking forward to that review, thinking it would be a good one. Oh,
0: man. Yes.
1: And so you have to sort of take it like it comes. You get, get on with it, because the things are nice. I mean, it's like, I remember my dad turning around to me. I'd won, I don't know, 15 awards by the time I was 21 or something. And he, and he, told me, he said, and how many of those are going to pay your bills next week?
0: Tony, thank you so much. I know we said it. I said it'd be around half an hour-ish. Uh, it's a little bit more than that, but this is going to be uh, a, a beauty to edit down. And I think it might have to be an extended episode because it's just I've just loved it. And uh, I know you say t- take criticism and praise in the same way, but um, it's been a pleasure, and I hope hope this was relatively painless for you as well.
1: <laughs> I, I enjoy talking about myself. It's a pleasure.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Your special, favorite subject, specialist subject. And if you are ever down down this way, south of London give me a shout and we can go out for a coffee and catch up
1: I actually meet my, be- one of my best friend David Courtney he's, yeah. he's was another person you should interview by the way David okay. Courtney okay. Not Dave Courtney the gangster this is David Courtney the gangster. <laughs> and who's, who's sold I think nearly 40 million records oh, brilliant and he's he's a fascinating character fascinating character and he's another one you should certainly speak to okay. if you will do it <laughs> and um, he lives in Brighton so that's okay. where we meet
0: there is no yeah there you go okay, yeah you thank you so much for uh, taking pleasure. the time out of your day my
1: pleasure i enjoyed it
0: it's been brilliant i'll speak bye. to you soon
1: cheers okay, bye 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 the awaken your alpha podcast live limitless
0: facebook group the alpha way look onto go onto facebook awaken your alpha like the page and you have all the links on there but man we've got a little private group in there all the updates and exclusive videos and as part of that you will now be able to post your questions to the upcoming alpha interviews
1: check out this fantastic podcast do the little guy a favor subscribe and review it'll help get him off my back the awaken your alpha podcast live limitless